0: Welcome to Episode 3 of Behind the Mosaic. I'm your host, Don Marie Zimmerman. In creating this podcast, it was my desire to provide an additional mode of connection between artists, mosaicists, collectors, and enthusiasts at all levels of engagement with mosaic art. And not only a connection to each other, but to explore the opportunities for us as mosaic makers to connect our work with communities, institutions, and professional disciplines outside of our mosaic centric world. This week's guest is beautifully rooted between two disciplines and has forged her own path of connection between her calling as an artist and devotion to social work. Today, I chat with Dr. Megan Corrado. Megan Corrado is a doctor of social work and a licensed clinical social worker in the greater Philadelphia area. She earned her doctorate from the University of Pennsylvania and her master's of social services from Brenmar College. She is a trauma therapist who integrates the arts into her practice with inner city children and adolescents. She created the Stories Trauma Narrative Intervention, which supports trauma survivors in creating, voicing, and honoring their stories through a variety of creative mediums. Megan is also the president of the Mosaic Society of Philadelphia. In programming our 2018 American Mosaic Summit coming up in Boston, we've devoted a significant amount of content to the connection between the mosaic making process and the realm of health and well-being. Megan is one of several presenters who will examine this connection from very different perspectives, including the physical, emotional, and psychological health of an individual as well as the healing of entire communities. For more information on the Boston Conference and to find the post that accompanies this episode, which features additional reference links and images to some of the truly moving work that Megan does, visit AmericanMosaics.org. That post is also linked in the episode's show notes on SoundCloud and iTunes. All righty. Let's drop into my conversation with Megan as we commiserate over Pennsylvania winters. feeling (laughs) well you know it's it's january in pennsylvania what can i say
1: (laughs) right and you still have a lot of stuff to do and then the weather keeps on messing with your plans just like really
0: yeah yeah
1: and (laughs) you know this this strange
0: swing we've had in the last week or so where we had that bitter cold and then it got warm and I know everything melted, and then today I woke up to another fresh new coating of snow, so it's
1: <laughs> oh you guys got snow yeah we need to get snow,
0: I think it's, it's cool. coming. I think you might you yeah, might end country. up with some yeah it's yeah. uh yeah, I guess this is my first cross state <laughs> cross state call I'm here in uh kind of like the mountain range outside of Pittsburgh. Oh, okay. Okay. So I'm on the, yeah, there's the other, there's way end more things. snow up there. Yeah. <laughs> We're just down from Erie. So we get a lot of that lake effect stuff. Okay. Okay. just kind of swings in. Thank you for doing this with me. We, uh, Ooh. are really enjoying this podcast series and I wanted to make sure, um, that I had you on as a guest because I find your, your work and uh, the program that you've created and the incorporation of mosaic in your practice fascinating. And so I'm looking forward to chatting with you today.
1: Well, thank you um, for having me.
0: <laughs> How did, um, I want, I'm curious, were you a, a maker as a child? Did you like making art or crafting or um you know doing artsy things as a kid
1: so i did like um creating art as a kid my mom was actually the the director of arts and crafts at um a whole region of summer camps As a kid, and I used to tag along with her to all the classes and all of the um, workshops. So I really enjoyed that. Um, But I had trouble following directions. And the activities that she would facilitate because they're in a camp setting, you had to follow directions a lot. So I liked it, but then I was like, oh, I have to follow directions. I don't want want to do it wrong. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Yeah, but I always um, was engaged in creative processes. I was, um, also a writer as a kid. Okay. Um, I wrote a lot and, um, I was just always, um, engaged in the creative arts. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you remember seeing your first mosaic? Were you little when you so, saw a mosaic?
1: Yes. So it's funny because I didn't even notice it mm-hmm. until later on after i have been creating mosaics for a while. Um, but, the foyer in my house growing up was actually mosaic, Oh. and it was really ugly. Um, it was like this <laughs> brown, tan, and ceramic tile. There was no creativity to it, but I did see that every day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and so you grew up later, and you decide to become a social worker. Yes. And I'm curious where the the social work and were you always artistic throughout your studies?
1: So n- not necessarily. Okay. Um, so I would, I would definitely say that um, my journey to connecting the arts to my social work was a process. Mm, okay. So I wouldn't say it was a definitive moment in my career where I said, okay, now I'm going to connect art and social work. But as I learned techniques and as I um, became enamored with mosaic and creating things with glass um, and seeing the creative possibilities in social work and in in the therapeutic world, whatever I learned, I would try to pass along to my clients. Um, Whoever was willing, whoever was interested, I would... um, Whatever uh, I had, whatever techniques I had learned, or whatever I had figured out by making a mistake, or seen as a possibility, I would pass it along to them. So I would say it was like a series of different experiences that led me to making that connection.
0: Mm-hmm. I see. Did, did you take a lot of art classes as you were going through school too? Was there always sort of a parallel between your interest in the social work and the art?
1: I didn't take a lot of classes in the arts. There aren't a lot of classes um, that make that connection between the arts and um, social work. Mm-hmm. So most of my work has been me playing around with materials, me making mistakes, me saying, hmm, I wonder what happened if I did this. And then <laughs> sometimes it was a horrible idea. But then I learned for the next time, oh, instead I could um, do it this way. and. Um, it kind of, it was kind of the same process in integrating my artistic process with social work where there aren't formalized programs that um, other than art therapy um, as a discipline that formally link art and um, social work and therapeutic work in academia. It just Mm -hmm. doesn't really exist much.
0: And so what, I'm curious, what, what makes what, you do different than say, a traditional or um, structured art therapy practice
1: so I'm a licensed clinical social worker. I'm not an art therapist okay um, so the, what makes it different is the fact that I um already have like my core set of values I already have my core set of um our code of ethics as a social worker. And I'm bringing all those with me to my interactions with my clients. But then I'm saying a uh, part of social work values is a strength-based perspective and it's meeting the client where they are. Okay. And part of, um, part part of what I bring to the process is that um, I have a strong identity as a social worker. And then if I'm meeting a client where they are and where they are is in a place of, Creativity and needing to express their emotions non-verbally, then I'm able to um, take my social work knowledge as a therapist and integrate that into something artistic. Okay. So there's a lot of similarities, um, but I would say like there are some differences in there are some differences in um, the approach of an art therapist versus the approach of um, a social worker. Okay, it is a little different. <laughs> do
0: you do you think they the the aim though is to end up in in a similar place where you've provided a a means of transformation for your clients through creative practice
1: absolutely yes okay. the end goal is the same okay and um I do trainings with, um, with clinicians and with other people who are interested in the creative process, and something that I like to say is that um, there's often different paths to attain healing, and there's not a right or wrong path to take um, because our ultimate aim is still to help people heal and to take their broken pieces and to make a cohesive whole, however that looks, and whatever discipline um, facilitates that process is okay. Okay.
0: So it's a personalized process. Right. Excellent. And you work with them, with your clients in, with much more than mosaic. You work at, you play around with a lot of mediums and that's probably part of that component where you, where you look to specialize, um, the tools and the methodology you use.
1: Right. Right. Um, just thinking about the different um, opportunities I've had to create mosaics with clients. Um, like I mentioned before, it's like a journey. Mm-hmm. Um, as I'm learning things, I'm passing them along. And the first time that I created mosaics with my clients was at a middle school in Southwest Philadelphia. And this was a middle school that has since been shut down. A lot of schools have been shut down in Philly. And um, this middle school was one of them. And um, I, I tend to get clients that are more difficult that have been through multiple therapists they have a lot of trauma and the teachers in the school and even some of the staff in our therapeutic program are like you're gonna make mosaics with them like Mm -hmm. you know things Mm -hmm. are sharp like you know this is glass right and i'm like Yeah, I do. And I I think they can do it. (laughs) So, um, it was such an amazing experience. We did it in group therapy and they were so excited. And these are kids that people, people would say, oh, they can't create anything or they're, they're just, uh, um, they're going to, they're going to use the glass as a weapon, but they didn't. And, um, they created such, such amazing, um, works of art that they were proud of. Remember, um, I took the art to each of the houses because I didn't want any of the art to get damaged in the process. Because um, kids in the Philly public school system, they have to take public transportation to get home. Like, I know if something happens to their art on the way home, that they're gonna, you know, oh. be pretty upset because they took a lot of time on it. Right. So I dropped dropped each of the pieces off at each of the houses, wow. and the parents were just in awe. Like, my child made this? Like, <gasps> no, not my child.
0: And and. Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of people who are looking to work with mosaic in different environments and run into some of the same, some of that same feedback, you know, you can't do mosaics with these kids. Um, Mm -hmm. So tell me a little bit about the project that you did with them.
1: Yeah, they, each of them had a board and um, I didn't have a lot of materials. I, we had no funding for this project. So basically, um, at that point in time, when I was making mosaics, I was just taking whatever people gave me and breaking mirror and um, assembling it into whatever into whatever it is that I felt that I wanted to create at the time. And that's how they created their mosaics too. So I kind of just took this hodgepodge with ma- free materials um, <laughs> and we brought it to the school. <laughs> and... We had um, glass cutters. I didn't know how to use nippers at the time, so I wasn't able to teach them. We just use a glass cutter, and um, we did during our group therapy sessions. We made mosaics, and they just took the materials and made whatever they wanted. And
0: so, through throughout the process, did were you, you know, having conversations with them, or encouraging them to have conversations with each other, or was it just simply just a, a nice? quiet time to just sit and we're just going to make.
1: So while they were actually making it, they were engaging in conversation with each other. I didn't necessarily structure that conversation. I allowed them to have those conversations with each other, but then like at the beginning of our group and then at the end, we processed the experience. So during the create, while they were creating, you know, they, I just let them create and it was more self-directed process, but then we did, talk about things before and after Mm -hmm.
0: and so have you been able to use that as sort of a model moving forward does it is that what was the inspiration behind your stories program how did that come about was it through sessions like this
1: so um it's always an interesting question when people ask me how stories started because once again it's not a definitive moment Mm -hmm. um so Stories is an intervention, um, and it's also a, a business to create services and, um, excuse me, trainings and resources for inner city youth who have experienced trauma and um, also for their service providers. So, um, and I also, I, so I created um, a trauma narrative process to help people um Have a framework or an outline for how they can go about looking through their past positive and negative life experiences, organizing them, and then um, looking for looking toward their future vision. Mm, So as far as the process of developing stories, I think it started at an early age, um, the seeds of stories beginning in an early age, where um, I experienced trauma um, early on in life, and I continued to experience trauma throughout my own life. And um, it's interesting, like the parallel between my development of stories and um, my mosaic artistic life, because it's kind of a parallel process. Mm, So it's kind of this, um, in developing, in developing stories, it was taking bits and pieces of literature and trainings and experiences and client feedback and my own um and my own experiences as a clinician and a trauma survivor and kind of taking all of that tesserae <laughs> of um, knowledge and experience and then figuring out how how do I synthesize this into a program that people can actually use into a cohesive whole. So um that is just a little bit about the process. Okay. I um so I started off um creating trauma narratives, creative trauma narratives with clients in 2009. And then um, I was just integrating the arts, kind of trying to integrate uh, all the knowledge and experience that I had, but on my own. And then when I went to university of Pennsylvania and got into the doctoral program, I decided I wanted to use that as an opportunity to formalize the process that I had already been using, and to like further synthesize all those bits and pieces of information Mm -hmm. that I had gained throughout the years. Um, And then that that has culminated in the development of an actual program that's being implemented, that's being used. So it's kind of like a mosaic process.
0: Wow. And so then that makes
1: me curious about the development of
0: your personal mosaic art practice. When did you find... Gosh, when did you find the time <laughs> with all of this to to start making your own mosaic art?
1: Mm-hmm. So it's funny, people people ask me that a lot because I'm constantly like juggling different responsibilities and in and out of different worlds and different roles. But for me, um, I don't have a choice but to make time <laughs> for mosaic. Yes. Um, because... Mosaic has been a survival strategy for me as a person, and there's been times where I, I, I've needed mosaic throughout my life and throughout very pivotal moments in my, my life, and um, it's not even so much that I, I'm like, oh, I want to make a mosaic. It's more like I need to make this because it's part of my own healing process. It's part of my own. Dealing with stress and anxiety and trauma, and how do I take the pieces of my life that are broken
0: mm-hmm.
1: and integrate them? And then how do I do it physically in a mosaic?
0: So you do have a, a very it's sort of a Like it sounds like, as things have developed and evolved throughout your life, your mosaic making process has a bit of a layered approach as well you've got the layering of the yes. the philosophy of mosaic and applying that in your personal healing. But then there's also very much a mindfulness, it sounds like, to the the craft or the technique of mosaic making as well.
1: Absolutely. And I just I love the fact that you can um the the style of mosaics that I create, like you mentioned, does include multiple layers. Um Sometimes I cry when I'm making mosaics. sometimes um I'm in deep thought. sometimes I'm um, thinking about my future plans and my goals. Sometimes I'm questioning why something happened um and I love the fact that um my my mosaic style enables me to use these different layers because they really represent different layers of experience so I can put um, a layer of alcohol ink, and then I can write something about how I'm feeling at the time, and then I can cover that up with tempered glass, and then I can cover that up with something else, and its um, I just love how the medium is flexible enough to be able to accommodate for all those different layers, Um, and I, I feel like it shows a lot of depth.
0: Well, and I think that brings me to asking you about the piece that uh, we will be showing in Mosaic Arts International in Boston. Um, We're going to start sharing the work of our Mosaic Arts International artists here in the coming weeks Mm -hmm. as we get ready for opening the exhibition February 15th. And you have a piece titled Self-Love in the Exhibition and I'll share an image of the piece in the post that I put together um, for our website. And it is very much what you just described. It's um, a figurative form, three-dimensional form that has layers of text and images of of photographs and it's there's tempered glass and it's it is very richly layered over this female form can you talk a little bit about that one
1: sure um there's like an involved story about this mannequin (laughs) (laughs) oh cool yes so um I got the mannequin from a going out of business business sale. And um, I was with my family and they're used to my artistic shenanigans. I like um, getting 3D objects that I feel would be a challenge for me. Um, And this mannequin was on sale at a good price. And I was like, I need this mannequin. So um, we traipsed through the mall with the stand and the mannequin, me and my sister, my mom and my three cousins. (laughs) And everyone's looking at us. So I got it back to my studio. (laughs) <laughs> and I was just wondering, like, what should I do with this? Um, so it sat there for a little bit, and then I decided I wanted to do poor painting on it. P-O-U-R painting, um, which is like a, a marbleizing technique that you can do with acrylic paints. Mm-hmm. And I have done it on flat surfaces, but never on a 3D surface this curvaceous before, like a mannequin.
0: And I want to just point that out to the folks listening that haven't had a chance to see the image yet. This is not your typical department store mannequin. It is a very, I think, I I love it because it's not, it's not like a Barbie mannequin. (laughs) Right. It's, it's, it's a very voluptuous mannequin. (laughs) Yes. But in a, in an almost realistic way. So I, I was curious about that. I mean, there's not a tight waist here.
1: <laughs> no, I, I picked love that it. Mannequin on purpose too. I picked it on purpose. There were other skinnier mannequins and I said, I don't want those skinnier mm-hmm. mannequins. I want a mannequin that, um, has meat on her bones and um, that looks like me and, and other people that I see on a daily basis.
0: <laughs> uh, yeah. That's awesome. Okay. <laughs> so you were you were going to play with pouring on it.
1: Yes. Yeah, so I did the pour painting on it and it looked so cool, but I felt like it was too perfect. Mm-hmm. Um, so I let it dry and I left it there. So I was like, okay, I know how to do poor painting on a 3D, um, mannequin. Okay. Um, then I left it there. And then, one day my feelings of shame were really triggered. As I mentioned before, I am a trauma survivor as well. And I work with trauma survivors. So, um, I came into the studio and once again this goes back to like my need for art like i'm making things because i have some type of emotion or um experience that i need to get out so i go back to the mannequin and i just take um a, a paint marker a montana paint marker and i just start writing um x's all over the mannequin different places on the mannequin's body where i felt shame on my body um and then i started writing down the things that I felt were wrong with those particular parts of my body and why they brought me shame. And I was crying as I did it and um, I left it there. And then I came back again another day and I looked at it and I felt like, well, I, I can't really leave myself in all of this shame. I can't leave myself in all of these negative messages. I encourage other people to look for the strength in themselves and I need to figure out how to find the strength in myself too. So then I started um, collaging pieces of paper over top of all the areas where I put an X and I wrote um, an alternative message, a more positive message that I could tell myself about um, about that shame instead. And I left it. Um, and I came back to it again. And I said, um, "You know, what else can I add? What are other layers?" So I added um, layers of um, photographs of myself. Um, photographs of me enjoying life, uh, feeling excited, feeling free. Um, kind of like the the antithesis of my experiences with shame. Then I found words that, um, that depicted, uh, different positive messages. And then I covered them in glass. So, um, I guess, I I didn't necessarily have a plan as I was moving forward with Mm -hmm. the mannequin. The plan was more just to use it as a means to express myself. And as I look at it now, um, I feel like it just really draws light to the different layers of experiences that we all have, Um, how we can have this polished exterior that everyone sees, and then we can also have these internal conflicting messages that no one else sees that we cover up underneath um, different layers of our being. And then it also, I think, shares a message of the fact that we can build ourselves up even in the midst of that shame, even in the midst of that trauma, we can still um, build up our strengths and our abilities and our confidence um, to be able to develop a love for ourselves even in the midst of our own brokenness.
0: Mm, It's a a, a beautiful piece. It's definitely a beautiful piece. And I... What I like about it, knowing all of that and looking at it, the layer of glass to me um, really is the part of your resilience. There's all these layers Mm -hmm. underneath, but to me, that glass is in a way like your your tough shell <laughs> that's protected mm-hmm. all of this incredible stuff underneath. And even though it's broken, it's still pretty resilient in it's mm-hmm. the way the layers show underneath, but that, that there's still this, um, strong exterior. I think it's, it's a real powerful piece. And I'm thrilled to be staging it in mosaic arts international this year. So congratulations, I think it's definitely a
1: success. And the the jurors agree. Thank you. Yeah, I love the fact that um, this what draws me to Mosaic is the fact that I feel like it's really universal as a medium. what other art form is taking, intentionally taking things that are broken or intentionally breaking things and saying, I'm going to use this to create something of beauty. I just, I just love that about mosaic that we um, – there, there's so many parallels between the mosaic – process and also my process as um, a trauma clinician. Mm -hmm. How do we take whatever we have, whatever experiences we have um, broken or whole and figure out how to integrate them and figure out how to make sense of them. Um, And I just love the fact that Mosaic inherently uses this as a process. Um, and I just, that's, that's what I love about the medium It's like, it's giving an artistic process to something that we as human beings have to live with as a reality every day, taking broken things, taking whole things, taking positive experiences, negative experiences, trauma, pain, pride, excitement, taking all these things together and integrating them into something, um, into something creative.
0: And I think the community of mosaic artists, uh, wouldn't you say of those that you've met are also very drawn to that aspect that there is a, I I don't want to use the word addiction, although I know a lot of people do, but there is a, a passionate draw towards breaking things and making them into something new.
1: Absolutely. And um, that, that actually reminds me. So I am constantly trying to like integrate information when I read something as an educator, when I read something as a clinician, I try to think of it like from all different angles. And I read something a couple weeks ago um, by an author named Nixon, and he talks about um, the need for destruction in order for creativity to occur. Mm-hmm. And he talks about the fact that um, in a lot of situations we avoid destruction we see it as like um something that's going to sabotage whatever it is that our ultimate goal is i um, and then he references this um therapy theorist named winnicott who talks about um the concept of creative destruction but i just it doesn't get much more destructive than me uh, uh hammering a sheet of tempered glass literally with a hammer and saying you know what like i'm going to make it into a Mosaic mannequin. Like Uh I just, (laughs) I love the (laughs) fact that um, (laughs) I love the fact that um, we are we as artists, as mosaic artists, are embracing the fact that there needs to be some destruction in order for creativity to happen, and um, when we harness that creative power, um, we can really make something beautiful, even if it's smashed to a million. Pieces into smithereens <laughs>
0: <laughs> because there's the beauty of the process itself.
1: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So,
0: 2017 was a really busy year for you. Something really big happened in your, in the fall. You had a work accepted to the National Academy of Medicine's exhibit, um, Culture of yeah, Health.
1: So, yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> yes. So um I'm sometimes it's hard for me to like to even think about entering my work into different shows and things like that because it's such a personal process. Um but for this show, I actually had two different colleagues send me the um the call for art for this proposal um and the National Academy of Medicine was sponsoring a show um, where they wanted different artists of different mediums to show um, what it would look like um, to visualize health equity. So um, as a social worker, we don't really use the term health equity, so I had to look it up. Um, (laughs) Okay, I was
0: going to ask you, (laughs) what do they mean by health equity? (laughs)
1: So, when they say health equity, they mean for everyone to have what it is that they need regardless of their socioeconomic status, regardless of um, of any barriers they might that they might experience. What does it mean? What does it look like for everyone to have what they need in order to be healthy and in order to thrive? So that's what they um, that's what they mean when they say health equity. Um, so they called on artists of different mediums to create artwork to say um, what does it look like for individuals in different communities to be able to have what they need in order to be successful as individuals. So I actually submitted three pieces um, to the show and one of them was chosen for their in-person show and then two of the other two, which are mosaics, those were chosen for um, for their online show. So there are they're the only two mosaics in the show. Yeah. Um, and those, yeah, so those two um, are, actually, you can see all three of them on the online exhibition um, okay. on the National Academy of Medicine's website, okay. but the one that's in, um, the in-person is just, is an alcohol ink um, collage. And what, what that, so what I did when I created that um I started off with a layer of alcohol ink. And on the bottom, um, the alcohol ink is red. It looks like fire. Um, if anyone else has worked with alcohol ink, it's a very uh, fluid medium that does whatever it wants. So um, <laughs> trying to control it in that way to just have those colors on the one side um, is a challenge, which, you know, I'm up for a challenge. So on the bottom, um, it looks like fire. And then on the top it looks like uh the sky it's blue and um it's really hard to not get those two colors to mix when they mix it's a really uh bad mixture of brown um but i worked on it and got the two to coexist the fire and the water and then there was a butterfly that i had created with alcohol ink on yupo paper and um I collaged the butterfly onto this um, fire water mixture and had the butterfly uh, flying free from the flames. And then um, there's a few chains at the bottom um, and the chains are broken. So what I was trying to depict is showing that health equity is being able to break free from whatever your chains may be, whether those chains are the chains of um, oppression, the chains of poverty, the chains of trauma, the chains of um of systems that are not servicing people in the way that they should. Whatever the chains are, health equity is helping people break free from those chains so that they can then thrive. They can um they can really seek out a life of fulfillment and strength and not be bogged down by whatever challenges um life is is burdening them with.
0: It's a beautiful piece. I'll I'll put that in the post too. It's It's really
1: beautiful. And so
0: when we all come together at the conference in Boston, the American Mosaic Summit, you're also teaching a workshop. And it's, the workshop is kind of combining a lot of the methods and materials you're talking about um, in a sort of a mixed media uh, type of mosaic class. And it's called Mosaics as a Story. And We still Mm -hmm. have seats available if anyone's listening before March 4th. Registration's open until March 4th, so check out the SAML website if you're interested in taking uh, class with Megan at the conference. And I'll put a link also for anyone interested um, in Megan's work with the Stories program as well as um, the other artwork that you do. Do you have a, a separate website for your art practice?
1: I don't. I have okay. a Facebook page and I also have um, an Instagram page for my art. Um, okay. but I don't have a website for my art.
0: Okay. We'll put it up. We'll put all the links together for anyone
1: that wants to learn a little bit
0: more about you. And I want to thank you today um, for taking time out on a Saturday in your busy, busy schedule.
1: <laughs> sure. Thank you so much for having me. This is just exciting. <laughs> to be able to talk about mosaics and the process and all the different possibilities.
0: Well, I appreciate the work you do very much, and I think your story is fascinating. But I also think um, the work that you do uh, is important, especially in this day and, day and age, and uh, in the community that you live in. It sounds like you're bringing a great deal of value um, to your clients, and so thank you. It's so much of what you do and what you've experienced I have also experienced so and I Mm -hmm. I use um mosaic making in a very similar way to to process Mm -hmm. my um emotional experiences and personal you know uh, traumas Uh, but uh, I don't I don't know that I've experienced traumas anywhere near as severe as you have they've I can get... Um, trauma is trauma. Trauma is trauma, I know. But it's a very similar um, experience in the breaking and the putting back together. And I think, mm-hmm. you know, everybody that's listening to this um, in their studio is going to say, Yep, yeah, me too. Me too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very much so. I, that's why I'm mosaicing right now. I need to work <laughs> something out. Right. So. I appreciate right. your your sharing that very much.
1: Sure, thank you so much for having me. Like I'm just just so excited.
0: Metaphors using the practical steps of making a mosaic to represent healing and growth as human beings are endless. And some of the most beautiful can be found in the book by Terry Tempest Williams, Finding Beauty in a Broken World. One of my favorite quotes from this book is this, Shards of glass can cut and wound or magnify a vision. Mosaic celebrates brokenness and the beauty of being brought together. In my next episode, I will continue this conversation of mosaic as a healing art when I chat with an artist who has spent a significant portion of her career not only healing, but strengthening broken communities. New Orleans-based artist, Laurel True. Until then, make sure you visit SAMA's website, AmericanMosaics.org, for more information on the American Mosaic Summit in Boston, Massachusetts, March 13th through the 18th. And in February, we will be sharing more information on our annual exhibition series, Mosaic Arts International 2018. Until then, thank you for listening. This is Dawn Marie Zimmerman.